This episode is sponsored in part by Bluehost Hosting, where $4.95 a month will get you unlimited space transfer and domains. Visit moviebeatdown.com slash bluehost today. Interlock and form a blockade. Hey, welcome to Movie Beatdown, where we're rediscovering movies with Blake Snyder's book, Save the Cat, because behind the director, behind the flash, the glamour, the glitz, the actors, there's something called a story. This is episode nine, brought to the week of January 29, 2015, and uh, we've missed you. Thanks for uh, letting us take a little break over the holidays. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, and with me is John Steinklover. Greetings. And Paulie Godbout. Welcome back. Uh, Christian Sudreth. Hey. Hey, guys. <laughs> and hey. Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. <laughs> that was the greatest impression of all time. <laughs> <laughs> that was just my, that's my impression of everyone. You want to hear my Morgan Freeman? Oh, yes. yes. It sounds quite uh, Hey, guys. Right after the show. Today we're beating down uh, the beats of Guardians of the Galaxy, very popular movie. Uh, IMDb says that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is a group of intergalactic criminals are for a group of intergalactic criminals are forced to work together to stop a fanatical warrior. He was almost a financial warrior from <laughs> from taking control of the universe. Uh, directed by James Gunn. Um, you know James Gunn from other works like Slither. I like that movie. Um, he saw it. He uh, he's also done some other web site work, but I'm not going to mention what it is because though it is PG, <laughs> you just have to look it up yourself. There are kids <laughs> present. Um, it's it's also written by James Gunn, um, who did uh, who wrote Scooby Doo Two. Monsters Unleashed, easily the better of the two Scooby-Doo movies that I know of. <laughs> oh, we're great on a curve there. We're great on a curve, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dawn of the Dead, the 2004 version, which was decent. It was good. I liked the part where they would, the the guy from the other across the way would hold up a chalkboard and they would they would look through the glass, you know, the thing at him, and then he died. So. Uh, he's also done a lot of trauma stuff. So trauma is a independent film group and they usually do really gross, really out of control stuff like uh toxic Avenger. So he's from them. He's from that world. Otherwise, mm. otherwise he's nobody. Uh, it's also written by Nicole Perlman. You want to talk about somebody who's nobody, Nicole Perlman. Um, all she's got is she was a script doctor uh, for Thor. Sounds like a, Something mixing tables were involved. She was, you know, spinning platters. Uh, and, if you want to call me, me, but I tried to look up on her because because she's got no nothing. She's nobody. She's just a, a, a lady. Um, she is the person who developed the first version of the screenplay for Guardians of the Galaxy during her residency in the Marvel Writing Program, whatever that is. <laughs> cool. And she's the one that took this obscure comic, this obscure team, you know, that I'd never heard of. Honestly, I hate to say I'd heard of Rocket Raccoon, but I'd also heard of a duck, you know, that was a detective that I didn't care about either. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, she took this and brought it to the forefront, and then James Gunn kind of rewrote it, and now there's this controversy on who actually did what and how much is still there. But they did give her credit, and in doing so, made her the first woman to have writing credit on a Marvel movie. Cool. So, wow. Congratulations, Nicole Perlman. Uh, we'll also want to mention Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning just because they wrote the comics in the first place. So, Thank you, guys. Hey, before we get into it and start beating it down, I want to get uh, this out of the way. If you have ever wanted to have us do one of your favorite movies, um, all you have to do is go to reddit, reddit.com slash r slash movie beatdown and just post the title of your movie. That'll give other people opportunities to vote up your movie or down <laughs> for that matter. And uh, every week we will add one of those selections to the mix and they'll have a chance to get your movie uh, beat down. So anyway, today we're doing Guardians of the Galaxy and we're going to start with the question, uh, what is the genre? Do with a problem, buddy love or superhero? Go. <laughs> I'm going to say Golden Fleece. Okay. Yep. Can you support that? Yes, because it's the catch-all, and I, 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 I actually had three: superhero, rites of passage, or golden fleece. Those were my three top three. But I, I, wow. I feel like the golden fleece is the one. I know it's weird, right? No. Rites of passage. It's kind of a weird one to go with, but um, hey, it's your uh, prerogative, uh, Polly. Uh, I had a hard time with this one because, as we'll kind of get into, like I have some issues with the story itself i mean the movie's great the plot you know whatever but as far as the character development and all that kind of stuff it's just so sporadic that it's kind of like okay are we basing this off of the uh, uh what's his name peter or is this just the uh the goal of stopping you know the bad guy or or whatever so i don't know i i can i can honestly see where john is coming from as far as the rites of passage i don't think that's what they're trying to do um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I would just, I really don't know to be honest with you on this one. Cause I could go with dude with a problem. Um, I don't know that I could go with golden fleece necessarily. Um, I mean, I'm open Fine. to it. Um, but you know, I could see dude with a problem. I could even see buddy love, um, on a very broad scale. Um, so I don't know. I just, like I said, there's, there's a number of different things going on here. So I'm not a hundred percent sure what they were actually going for. Okay. Um, I, I think one thing that'll help us understand is um, they consider this movie a comedy, an action comedy. And that mm. that's an interesting thing when I read that, because though I know there's a lot of laughable moments, easily the funniest of all the Marvel films so far, in my opinion, um, other than the early ones, you know, and they were <laughs> un, uh, unintentionally so. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that, uh, makes character development a little hard. Uh, but we'll talk about more about that later. Christian, what do you think? Uh, I've got it as golden fleece as well. I, my first thought was, was going to be superhero, but I think just the idea of it being more of a team and less uh, Peter Quill kind of put me towards uh, golden fleece. I don't oh, want to get bogged down in it, but golden fleece, if I'm not mistaken, is something mm. somebody's chasing through the entire movie. And I know the orb, uh, the stone, could easily become that. Is that what you guys are, are seeing as 
the Golden Fleece? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My only argument is against that would be that they get it, they have it. I mean, in the opening scene, they already have what they what they <clears throat> would want. Um, and I had the same problem that Paul did. I've got dude with a problem only because it's it is the catch all. You know. Um, I I also put buddy love though mm. because there is this um, strong not strong, but it is there, the B story aspect with Gamora and, and, uh, the dude from, uh, that fell in a hole. Uh, yeah. Andy Dwyer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, she has a lot to, of growing and she kind of has her own world with her stepdad, stepsister, you know, that whole thing trying to come, she's trying to change, uh, and then there's him and they're constantly, it's like every beat almost has something to do with the two of them interacting or coming together. So I did buddy love. I also threw superhero in there um, for obvious reasons, because there's this massive bad guy to overcome. You know, there are super beings all up in this thing. It's a cosmic movie. You know, um, I, I found it interesting that I went to save the cat website and looked up, one one of their writers and what they, how they beat out this movie and they put they gave it, um, I want to say a buddy love slash superhero genre, hmm. which I I didn't know you could even do that. So if they can do it, we can do it. <laughs> so well, I'm going to give it a, a superhero slash golden fleece slash rites of passage <laughs> genre then slash uh, dude with a dude with a with a buddy love. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Our protagonist um, is Peter Quill. And there's a lot of people in here, but this this movie is about Peter Quill. Anybody uh, argue that against that? Nope. No, I'm with you. Um, we want to get into his flaw, though. Uh, I I think we see it in the right there in the opener, right there in the setup or the early setup at, when he's a child. Um, I didn't see it this way at first. I, I kept hearing uh, Gamora tell him that he was a man without honor. He was a man without honor. But I think that was more her problem. She was the one without honor. And, um, well, he didn't either. But she saw that's what she saw in him. So I almost got caught up on that. But I kept wondering, why couldn't he grab his freaking mother's E.T. hand? <laughs> and um, why did he turn away? Uh, you know, and then, but then when she dies, he has no problem all over her, uh, Mm -hmm. between that and the fact that later on Gamora says she's lightning into him. She says, you're despicable, you're dishonorable. And then I had to rewind it like 15 times and turn on the credits to get the word. She says, you're faithless. And that's an odd word. It's an awesome Mm -hmm. word, but it led me to believe that his flaw for me is that he cannot connect. He has no faith and anyone else he can't connect with his pirates buddies he can't connect mm. with gamora he can't connect with all the other folks he couldn't even connect with his mother in the opening scene he can't even connect with his family he's sitting out in the lobby i kept thinking it was the adults that put him out there but he's in there with his headphones on blocking out the world knowing what's going on in there possibly not welcomed maybe i'm reading into it but I'm like, he can't connect. Um, 
what is Peter Quill's flaw, John? I I have that he's he's a loner who who feels he needs to prove that he's important. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it's Star Lord. Star. Yeah. Maybe you've heard about me. It's not that weird to have a code name. It's not that weird. I got you. shake it, shake and bake, shake and bake, maybe. Uh, uh, Paul, what's his flaw? Uh, well, first of all, I really liked your analysis of all this, uh, James, uh, just because, I mean, since he is, you know, a kid that grew up without a dad and all that kind of stuff, I was kind of worried that I was going to get made fun of for reading so deeply into that beginning part. So I'm glad you did that for me and I don't <laughs> have to be that guy this week. But uh, so I agree with you on that. Like he just he doesn't have. He doesn't uh, have faith in other people, um, which goes along with not being able to connect. And I did. I also agree with John, um, you know, that he feels like he does have to prove himself, um, you know, that he does. There's this need to to not only prove himself, but to stand out, um, you know, mm. same same kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, so I'm right there along with uh, both of you. And if Christian would have gone before me, I probably would agree with him, too. So Christian, <laughs> Christian, 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 what do you think? Um, I didn't really know how to give it like just one words, but the word I gave it was loner. And I kind of put that he's all because he's all alone. Um, and he's from this different culture and he like doesn't really fit in. You know, no one really gets his references and he got, he's got this like own, there's a little world that he's in with his music. So I just put that, uh, he's, he's a loner and kind of the idea of pretty much what John said, how he has a hard time fitting in with anybody. Um, seems like to be his goal for the whole time and not only to fit in, but to, to sort of rise above and, or be well known, you know, with the whole star Lord thing. Yeah. That's um, good. But yeah, pretty much. See, I would say his flaw is, is what, what we all said. We all agreed on the flaw. I would say what you're describing as him wanting to become something is a goal. I don't know that it's a flaw. He does need to establish himself. He was this kid that was picked up on his freaking birthday the day his mom died and gave him a present that he couldn't open until she was dead. And uh, well, the the one thing that I would say on that is there's in stories, you usually have a false want, which has an underlying need. And so he has this want to be to, to stand out, to make a name for himself. Um, but that comes from that need to be accepted by other people because he is disconnected and he feels like, well, I can't connect with people in any other way. So if I do this, they're going to come to me and it's going to make that a little bit easier. And so I, I see what you're saying and I agree with you, but I do think that those are kind of two sides to the same, or they can be two sides to the same. It's semantics. Totally. Totally. Um, I, I think he's he's looking for his own place, and he decides he can't find one, so he tries to make his own place. Just to- but let me throw this wrench in that idea. He he wants people to call him a Star Lord. He wants that recognition. Why? Because his mother called him Star Lord. Yeah. So um, they, there's a real reason behind it. So I say again, I don't know that I would call it a flaw. I like what John what Paul said about you know in writing we call that a a false or a, a side uh, sidecar. He didn't say that, but that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> I'm going to start calling it that. It's a little sidecar. He's, he's driving the main engine, but there's a sidecar. All right. So um, you could get really hung up on this. I, I really struggled with the opening all the way through till break into two, I think, is when I when I when things started smoothing out for me. Uh, hmm. the, the opening image, of course, uh, for first timers, I'll go over it again. A visual that represents the struggle and tone of the story, a snapshot of the main character's problem before the adventure begins. Sometimes I find myself wanting the wanting to include more in the opening image than really is. But what I did is I end up backing up 
and that first snapshot, a little Peter Quill sitting alone, listening to music in his headphones mm-hmm. to not in love just because, by the way, I don't know if that has any meaning or whatever, but uh, that's him. And the reason why I was able to pick that is because at the end of the movie, our matching beat, which is your closing image, has him listening to music, opening the gifts, you know, and experiencing that. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, uh, John, what do you what do you what do you think about opening image? I you know I it's it's just the the hospital with the kid you know it's pretty self a boy wanting well, oh no wait sorry a boy sitting there listening to music that's pretty much all I have. He was lucky he had a Walkman man. A Sony dude. I didn't have one of those. I had a nice cheap knockoff. Paul. Uh, well, I kind of have a, you know, quote unquote double bump or whatever for the opening image. Um, I have what you said, James, where he's sitting there listening to, you know, mix. What is it? Awesome mix volume one. Yeah. And then it, because <laughs> at the end they're, they're listening to uh, awesome mix volume two, but then there's also, you know, we jump past the, the initial hospital scene, which I'm really, I think throughout this conversation, I'm going to have some questions about that, uh, that I'll kind of get to in a minute. But, um, but then when we jump up where he's, uh, alone, um, in the deserted city and all that kind of stuff, it's the fact that he's, he's searching for something all alone. He's abandoned Yondo and the, I think they're called ravagers. Ra- or, ravengers. Ravengers. Thank or you. Ravagers. Um, ravagers. I think it's ravagers. Something. Yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. So, so he's all alone. He's abandoned his, the closest, friends or the closest things to friends that he's ever had. And then the mirror image at the end is he's going on a new adventure to look for something else and he's doing it with a group of people and he's asking for their input. So it's, you know, to me, that's also they, the, those first two sequences, uh, both are mirrored in one closing image, if that makes sense. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think we do get a double because we're introduced to this child we're given his personality type and all this kind of stuff. We're given a lot of information about. We're given his save the cat moment, if, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll get there because that's that one made me work for it. Um, but he, we get a lot of information on this kid in a very short amount of time, and um, and that's awesome. I forgot what I was going to say. Question: Yes, would that because would that that hospital scene there would that actually be considered a? a a prologue or an epilogue setup. It's part of the setup because it starts actually before the credits or the opening credits, so to speak. Right. But in story time, because, uh, it has those, that's Yanu and his group out there picking up him for, for his dad on the day his mom died. I think it, I think it counts. uh, I think, I mean, and, and my feeling the, cause I, I just watched this movie for the first time a couple of days ago. Um, and so, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. Um, and the whole time I kept feeling like, man, they're setting up like even, even when we get into, you know, beyond the actual, you know, setup of the screenplay, the whole movie to me just felt like we were setting up something bigger than what was going to be accomplished in, you know, two and a half hours or however long the movie is. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, come to realize, okay, at the end we find out, you know, a lot of things that we'll get to in a minute. And then they even end it with, you know, the guardians of the galaxy will return. And so it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So this whole movie, yes, it's its own self-contained story, but it's also setting up this whole new, you know, big story, however many of these movies that they're going to make. And so I feel like the, the, the very opening image in the hospital room, I feel like we're there. That's actually going to pay off and make more sense 
as the story unfolds. Because right now, it I, I think it's there for a reason and it's important and it shows us a number of different things, but it definitely it definitely didn't do to me what I felt like it was supposed to. But again, that might just be because it's we're supposed to see there's a bigger payoff somewhere down the road in a movie that we haven't seen yet. Hmm. Hmm. That's a really good point. It's interesting. Christian, what do you think about opening image? Um, I've got from the hospital and I wanted it so bad to end at the hospital, you know, when he gets picked up by the ship, but I just, I had to extend it to when he's, when he's in the abandoned city and he right, you know, right before he, kind of opens the door so and you're the you're more Polly's double bump i i agree yeah. that, that's what i was trying to say before is we get to know the kid um and then we we see this stranger with a mask on and i remember the first time i saw it and he's he's there and he's mysterious and then he puts on the headphones and you're like oh it's the same guy this is the kid grown up you know yeah. uh and i'm always slow on the uptake anyway um, so you did, you did get that. And, and originally my, my save the cat was him dancing, you know, um, <laughs> very awkwardly. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Doing it. doing it the best white guy, you know, on a, on a geyser planet, um, with his time gun can do, you know, got to give him a credit credit there. Um, I, I hate to, uh, to interrupt this, but I want to go to theme stated real quick. Setup is, is one through 10 in a screenplay. Theme stated is five. So we're going to have to step forward a little bit and then we'll step right back. Um, but it does happen during the set- setup. It's what your story's about, the main message, the truth or the non-truth. And in this one, I really struggled for a minute until I realized that the, it for me, because at first I was doing the you know you're you're a you're a man uh, an honorless man or whatever that Gamora said, but I had to back up and right there uh, I I think it was shown for the first time not stated um, his mother reaching out her hand she can't he can't connect with or trust others um, and again Gamora calls him faithless later on so to me that was the theme is is that he's he's uh, he needs to connect. He needs. To, he should have grabbed her hand. That's why we see that flashback later mm. at the end. John, I just realized that some of my notes did not save. Oh, that's um, okay. But I remember as going from memory, I wanted some. I, I I kept looking through that that area of the movie there where you just quoted, and the hand, the the the, the making that connection there mm-hmm. um, was something that you know, stood out to me, but I could never put my finger on it. So you articulating that, I'm going to agree with you. Well, I wanted to throw that thing away. I did. I I didn't like it. I didn't like the hand holding out thing. I didn't get it. I didn't understand why he couldn't hold it. Why couldn't he just grab her hand? Uh, And I don't know that they did a great job just helping you to understand that he struggles. Cause I thought they threw him outside cause grandpa throws him out after he dies. Stay out here. Only the adults are important. I've got to go and help your mom. She just died. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Um, but I think that's what they were going for. Uh, what about you, Paul theme stated? Uh, I, I'm with you, James. I didn't feel like there was a theme stated at all. I felt like it was shown. Um, what you kind of just said, you know, I feel like they don't, I don't feel like they set up. Um, they didn't, they didn't make clear exactly what that was supposed to represent. And so exactly. I think that if we, if, if, if two or three other people were to come into this conversation and have a completely different opinion than what you just stated, 
I'm pretty sure that they could make a really great case because I do feel like it's so vague. Um, cause I, I honestly, like that was another, like I, like I said a few minutes ago, I just, I, I mean, it was, it was an emotional beginning cause his mom dies, but it's like, why in the world is this kid not reaching out his yeah. hand or whatever? And because then at the end, whenever they have the flashback, it's, it's different. It's I'm sorry, weak. but it's, it it's is. different. It is weak. Because, yeah. Because it has nothing to do. He's not, or it's not, he's not reaching out to someone else who is dying. Yeah. He's the one who could possibly die. And so I think that, like you said, it is shown, not stated. Um, and I do think that it is, it has to do with being able to have faith that other people can overcome. I mean, it, but, see, but even with that, I, I, I'm stretching because I feel like the whole rest of the movie is about him learning to trust other people. And it's even him helping other people. You know, he has that spiel where he yells at, you know, them later on. You know, this is why you don't have any friends because five minutes after you meet him, you're trying <laughs> to kill him, you know, which is hilarious, you know, the way he delivers it and everything. But so it's like that to me feels more like the a closer thing to theme stated. And it's different than that opening image. And so maybe this is one of those where I'm just not smart enough to understand it, or maybe I'm just trying to think too hard about it, but uh, I agree with you. Yeah, so well, I don't think, know. I, I think the difference, the great difference it would have made. I was thinking about this while you're saying that if grandpa, right after the opening image, if grandpa had been at the door saying, uh, Peter, are you coming in? And he, and he just shakes his head and listens to his music. Then, you know, he doesn't yeah. want to be in there. He's a loner. He wants to listen to his music. He loves his mom because she, she made him this tape. We find that out later, obviously. But then when he goes in and, and he pulls back, you see that he's kind of a just a little bit of a brat, maybe. Whatever, whatever. I don't know. Uh, Christian, theme stated. For my theme stated, I wanted it so bad to be the the hand scene, but I just couldn't find any like sustenance there. So I said it was... Uh, when his mom asks him uh, what's wrong with his eye or like, why we like, why do you have a black eye? And he talks about how the kids were uh, early, like killed the frog and how I sort of, I mean, I know I definitely looked into it, you know, further than what was there, but I imagine he kind of stood up to some like more than one kid or like a bigger kid or something. Mm-hmm. And I, and I sort of, I don't even know how to word it, but the idea that he's, he's going to stand up for what's right, like against all odds. I know that's not what it was supposed to be, but I just couldn't find any like depth in the, the hand holding scene. And right. I feel like they did it just so they could do something at the end. Right. Well, and, well, and, and they gonna, did. <laughs> well, it, yeah, yeah, right. They, they that, did do that. But now that you say that Christian, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that you might be onto something there because he does say something like they, you know, those boys were, they were trying to kill that frog. They were trying to, hurt something that different that didn't deserve yeah, it or something yeah. like that and that is kind of in, in some way that plays into it so i mean i think maybe if there was an actual theme stated it might be that in there which consequently i also think that is his save the cat moment to that's kind of and ahead. that but, was my save um, the cat too they yeah. squished so, a frog yeah. i wrote that he's a guardian yeah, there you go. Yeah, he so I, Christian Alex, and he cares yeah. about wrongdoing. It's a little bit of, it. but again, did they do a good job letting you know that it was it was there, but did it stand out? And I would say it did not. I felt like I solved a Rubik's cube when I came to this realization about why the hand thing was was a big deal, and why it was so mysterious and didn't speak to me. You know. Yeah. Uh, and so if if. And I always count myself as the average movie person, not real smart, you know, just taking it as it comes. And if if it took that much for me to figure it out, that that whole thing is lost on on a majority of the 
Well, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, like this, again, this kind of comes back to one of my issues with this, with this movie, um, is that I feel like I have a list of beats that I am going to put forth that are what I think are for the movie, but what are as far as how it, the, the, the way that the screenwriter probably did it, or maybe the, as far as like the timeline goes and the timestamps and, and page numbers for a screenplay. But then I'm also going to kind of throw in there what I really think the actual story is and all that. And so that being said, James, when you were talking earlier about the whole them yelling back and forth at each other, uh, and, and she talks about him not having honor and this and that, um, I really feel like you know that a good case could be made for that actually being where the theme is stated, and that's where uh, you know that 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 would be you know uh, the, the correct page number uh, if we began the screenplay at that point. But right. that, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, or not. it did because that was that was the first one I went with. It's it's repeated too, uh, and yeah. and even Drax you know has a solution for it. You are now a man of honor. Again, I don't quite know what he did to become a man of honor. I don't know what he did to change. And that's why I changed up. Also, the matching beat there at the end, you know, as weak as it was, him connecting with his cohorts, uh, them finally coming together, dispersing the power, defeating the bad guy. uh, That was the solution. That was that was um, that was actually digging down deep. But we'll we'll get there on finale. Uh, any other thoughts on theme stated? I want to jump into setup. Any? Go to setup. All right. Setup, uh, setup is page one through 10. It's expanding on the before snapshot. And so I put that, uh, you know, that Quill has it bad. It's his birthday. His mom dies. He gets a present. He can't open until she's dead. He gets stuck out in the hall and then he gets abducted by aliens after running through an ET like setting. So, <laughs> dark foggy he didn't trip over a pizza though this time like elliot did um so setup um also has to do with all of the all of the political stuff and all the people that want the orb and all of the folks that we meet um so uh john i'd love to hear your thoughts on setup um i you know i just have that he's a loner trying to prove himself and it's it's a beautiful picture painting. One of the things I liked about this movie is it's just it's brilliant looking. Oh yeah, you know the space mm-hmm. scenes, the color of the different aliens and stuff. So it's amazing. So him on that that desolate planet, um, kind of painting the picture of you know he's alone and nobody's there around him. Um, and he knows where the he knows where the oil slicks are. That's that's the cool Apparently part. So. He knows um, who you can sing into the mouth of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Save the cat moments. But no, just just that he's um, just this guy who who was taken as a kid and he doesn't fit in anywhere and he's just trying to find his place still. He there doesn't you go. know. I don't think he even knows who he is. So so we got kid and then um, 20 years later, uh, he, he's after Orb, Ronan's after the Orb, and there's a peace treaty. Um, but uh, obviously, Ronan wants to cleanse and mm. are a thousand years of something, Cree justice, or something yeah. like that. Judgment. I'm sure it's judgment, not justice in his case. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, and, and uh, John, or uh, Paul, 
What about you? Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to bring up is uh, I've noticed this in a number of movies lately. And we've uh, even in uh, one of the movies that we've uh, talked about uh, back to the future. um, A lot of times there's some, there's something going on, but then there's a radio broadcast or a television that's playing or something like that, that gives you some information. So on this one, when we get on the ship after he does the whole, like, uh, plummet and then saves himself at the last minute and then there's the purple the girl that looks like a beat uh you know that he She's forgot pink. about which is yeah Her which is, is another beat there we go well beat that Barit, woman had a name part. that pink woman had a name yeah which, which is she another part pants, of establishing but, his uh yeah another sort of part of establishing his character there in the beginning but anyway uh but when he's uh there's there's that camera pan over to them and they're listening to the radio and that's where we hear about the Cree peace treaties and the the riots and all that kind of stuff. So I've just, I've noticed that sometimes that seems to be happening a lot or that happens a lot in movies, um, you know, where they give you that extra information instead of just having the characters talking about it. They've got somebody else. Yeah. But they do it in a unique way. Like, you know, while there's the cool camera pan and you're distracted by the inside of his ship and all that. So I thought that was a really, you know, creative way of doing that. Um, the, The, one of the other things is I don't know if, one of the things that I don't feel like they established was did he decide to steal this orb in the very beginning before we see him arrive on the planet? Or is it just because he finds out that um, there's some really, you know, that some other people are after it and that they're willing to kill him for it? Is that when he decides, hey, I'm going to double cross Yondu and go and sell this for my, you know, for myself, you know, so I felt like they didn't really establish you know, when that change was made, but either way, that's a part of the setup is that, okay, he's going to go and sell this all on his own. We, we meet the character of Yondo. Um, uh, I, I like to call him Merle. Merle. <laughs> yeah. It from, uh, <laughs> walking dead. Uh, is that one of us watch that? Yeah, he was in that, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I think he had it from the beginning, the idea from the, from the get go. Um, cause he didn't want her to answer the phone. He already knew at that point that he was avoiding things and the updated information about this Ronan character didn't change his trajectory at all. You know, he even casually mentioned it to the broker. Um, yeah. and, and had he known what it actually meant, he would have never said it cause it threw off his groove, you know? Um, gotcha. Uh, that's just my 10 cents. Uh, uh, Christian. I really don't have anything to add. Just, okay. I would just be echoing them. All right. Catalyst. I think setup um, officially kind of ended at that moment in, in, in there where he's talking because catalyst for me, uh, it, obviously the moment where life as it is changes the telegram, blah, blah, blah. Um, for, for this movie, it was when the dealer guy, uh, won't take the orb because Ronan wants it. We we, we real he realizes Ronan's a big deal. It's scary, and he shut out. Uh, John, I one hundred percent. I the eyebrow guy, the broker, he backs <laughs> out of the deal. <laughs> uh, my culture, uh, Paul. <laughs> yeah. So again, I I I do agree that for this movie that is the catalyst however when we get a little bit further in i feel like the real actual story that that has more conflict in it um as far as like the actual character uh is much later but we'll get to that so yes i agree with you with an asterisk beside it (laughs) an asterisk uh christian 
Um, yeah, I like going last because it's just easy. Yeah, the catalyst is <laughs> after he gets rejected by the uh, eyebrow guy, and and then he meets his future team. Well, that means this is one of the more interesting debates uh, that we've had in a movie before because the debate segment is largely fighting mm-hmm. and, and and quibbling and. Uh, you know, what is it? Uh, dude wants the orb. She wants the orb. Rocket and, and Groot want the bounty, uh, you know, and so all this stuff is going down. It's a great scene. Um, mm-hmm. l- l- some of my favorite moments in there, you know, people getting punched, dudes drinking out of fountains, um, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Pink people walking around. Yellow people. With no business. with ye- Mixing with yellows. Oh, just terrible. <laughs> Can't stand it. Uh, the, what, the little baby, (laughs) (laughs) it's not cool to get help to walk. And, uh, Stan Lee, of course, probably is, probably is a pervert in real life. So (laughs) I watched that. He, I think he touched her boob. (laughs) He poked it. So I have, I have two quick, two quick thoughts or one is a thought and one is a question. So my first thought is, believe it or not, like, even though I, I think rocket is great and I think he's an awesome character, I didn't like him at the very beginning. Like I felt like those lines were just very forced, which I will just, I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way. Now there's a lot of this that is really cheesy as far as the writing. And I don't know if it's the actors, the way they delivered it, or if it's just the writing or whatever, but there's a lot of like that, uh, the and thou and, and, um, you fool and like stuff like that, that is an ancient way of speaking and they're in the future and it just doesn't translate and it comes across as kind of cheesy. Um, Dax, uh, is it Dax? Drax. The Destroyer? Drax. Drax. Thank you. So uh, thank you. I have that wrong in my notes everywhere then. Anyway, uh, Drax, at first I, I really didn't like him until I realized, Oh, that is his character. Yeah. And then it was like, Oh, boom. Okay. No, you get a pass. You get a pardon. That makes you even funnier. Um, you know, than ever before. So he gets a pass on that, but there's some things that it's kind of like, eh, but yeah. So I, I thought rocket has so many great funny lines, uh, throughout this, but his, those first two initial lines, I was kind of like, this guy's kind of a jerk. Is he going to be one of the bad guys or, you know, what's, what's going yeah, on? They, they kind of brought him in. Like they were sneaking him in the back way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, he should have landed in a spaceship. They should have stepped off, you know, because they didn't fit in that setting either. You're absolutely yeah. right. They are yeah. they are bounty hunters. They are, yeah. you know, whatever. So, so then my question is, because again, I agree with you guys that the way that this movie is structured and everything, that, that everything that you said, I think, is the debate. However, when we talk about, you know, the character development, because that's really what a story is about, um, you know, the catalyst is, you know, the, 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 the protagonist is required to make some sort of a choice and he has to take a step forward. And then the debate is, is, will he, won't he, uh, is he going to move forward? So how do you guys feel like this fight scene fits that traditional definition of the debate? It doesn't very well. And and I think I know where you're going, but um, because my original breaking or uh, debate or breaking it to or whatever um, ended when he, uh, when he decided to step in and, and save Gamora, you know, uh, from, from actually Drax. So, uh, see, and I agree with you there. And uh, so I'm glad that I'm not the, I, I think you're onto something there and, uh, but, I, we, I won't dwell on all that stuff, but, but anyway, since we're doing structure and, and, and it is there, it's superficially, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I, I have. I'm with you. I totally agree. But I got to get some from John. John, what do you think about debate? It's a very physical debate. Yes, it is. Say. <laughs> it is interesting. It's, we haven't had one like this. And no. There's, I, do you think it, the debate all, goes all the way to the prison? Yes. Okay. That's what yeah, I was thinking too. Until I mean, till the moment they get there anyway. And, and like you said, John, it is very physical. And so it's kind of – but again, that to me goes back to, okay, if our theme stated is this whole idea of him being able to trust people and, and whatnot, it's like this debate, it seems more about, okay, is he willing to, to, to do whatever it takes to – sell an orb and to make money like that you know that, that again that that's just you know one of the, again one of the little quibbles that i had with the way that the debate was i don't know set how, up here. i don't know how else you'd do it i mean that would be the art that would be the discussion to have is what would you have done instead well, and, and, and but the and thing we, is we've got five or actually at this point we've got four people that like you said earlier they, they can't have friends because they're trying to kill each other you know five minutes in so the debate is really, I think, because it it gets a little muddy, but it's about the group, you know, well, and, and, coming and together. I'm, and I know that we've got to move forward, so I'm going to say two really, really quick things. Number one, we always approach these these movies as if these people are actually writing a good screenplay and that they're following <laughs> traditional rules. And I'm not saying that this isn't a good movie. It's a, it's a good movie, and, and I enjoyed watching it multiple times. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to slam it. I'm just saying that we're taking for granted that these people are actually doing that. The second thing is... Um, I can give you... I, off the top of my head, I can give you an example of a movie that the 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 inciting incident doesn't take place until like almost an hour it's like 45 minutes to 50 minutes into the movie and that is minority report so mm-hmm. you do have some movies where there's just i mean tons and tons of backstory and the reason why i say that is again i felt like this whole movie was was leading up to something bigger than what it really was and so if we're going to get a whole franchise it makes sense that they need to use a whole lot of time to lay a bunch of pipe and to lay a bunch of backstory and introduce us to all these characters that we're going to have to stick with for another, you know, three, four, five movies or whatever. So all of that being said, again, I think for the sake of the structure, yes, we're all in agreement that this fight is the debate. However, like you kind of alluded to James, um, if, if I were, if I really had to, to say what I feel like was the most, uh, where the character development starts and where the movie really begins for me, it is there in the prison, um, you know, with, with the things that you had just said. And so anyway, that's, that's me stating my case and let's move on. Uh, break into two. It's the choice. It's where the main character makes a choice and the journey begins. And, um, I, I I see that as, uh, becoming prisoners at the kiln. Um, that's when the world changes, you know, the A to the B, we get this, this dark, you know, prison thing. Uh, we also meet characters, you know, in, in the, in the world of the second story, uh, and we meet Drax. So, um, not a lot really for me to say about that, but, but John, do you have any comments on breaking it too? No, because that's one of the things that didn't save on my (laughs) Paul. Uh, I mean, again, I agree with you that that is, you know, seems like a break in a two because we've moved from point or from to a different location. But again, he doesn't choose anything. He gets beat up and captured yeah. and they make him go. So, again, I, I really even though I'm going to say, yeah, that's the break in a two. I really feel like this is still all set okay. up. For well, the I would say that it is break into two structure wise, but I would say Mr. Stephen Gunn doesn't 
stick to the rules or maybe doesn't even know them. If he's been writing for Troma, no offense, but that that whole conglomeration is not known. I mean, they're they're a half step below Sharknado, in my opinion. <laughs> and I'm saying below, not above. Uh, <laughs> they're they're gross out people. They're they're um they're you know they like to stun you. They like to make you laugh. Um, and so if he's been writing and in, or directing or doing anything like that for them, um, then he he's gonna do things his own way and he's gonna make some mistakes. So uh, Christian, break into two. Yeah, it's in the kiln. Um, in an attempt to, like uh, Paul said, to kind of give the directors more credit or the writers more credit, and I think they deserve. I extended the debate up until the break into two, which is where I, where Drax is going to kill Gamora, and Peter comes in, and and, uh, and I think he, like you can tell that his mind has changed, and that's why I put break into two when he tries. Yeah, to Yeah, see, that's what that's oh, what John or Chris or Paul, Paul is, is <laughs> and I. Totally agree on that's actually when you see in his eyes, ra- the raccoons even like, oh, you know, when he finally goes forward, he's like saying, don't get involved, don't get involved. But he is a uh, he's a, he's a guardian, you know, and, and he has to step up and he has to do that. And they could have done a much better job making that obvious, in my opinion. Yeah, the um, debate is not wrapped up well at all. I want to say uh, before we move into B story, um, there's always things in sci-fi movies that trouble me and two things that come to mind. One of them is in ba- uh, return of the Jedi uh, in, in Jabba's palace. There is a fat woman with six boobs dancing around that, that, you know what I'm talking about? She, <laughs> yeah. She's wearing the, the bras. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's real or not. That's always troubled me <laughs> here in breaking a two. When they're being brought in, we see a, a lady with weird markings on her face and tears. And she's watching, you know, her family waved to her in hologram form on the table and she's leaning back at a weird angle, you know, she's kind of icky to me. So, yeah. And I kept thinking, okay, is she supposed to be somebody famous who is just making like a cameo (laughs) and they want it? Cause they, 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 they hold that shot so long that I'm like, what is the significance of this? She's not, you know, she's not just a one timer. She's, she's in there twice. It's weird. She's just James Gunn's mom. <laughs> just just When are you going to put me in one of your movies? <laughs> when you stop crying. Wait, no, we got a spot. Uh, okay, so B story. B story is when there's uh, usually a discussion about the theme, the nugget of truth. Um, and and, and um, for me, this was, uh, I, I had to put two things. Um, and I think Paul and I are going to agree that there's one that the movie's putting out, and then there's the actual one. Uh, but gaining Gamora's trust, um, I was just going to put Gamora, but she doesn't trust him. She needs a man in her life that uh, is honorable, because uh, her her dad, quote unquote Thanos, definitely not honorable. Tortured her, made her into a killing machine, and that whole thing. Um, but I will also say the, the in the bigger picture. The B story is gaining the group's trust because mm-hmm. we see that in the break into three when they're all standing in a circle like a bunch of jackasses. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So, John, what do you think? Well, I, I wrestled with is it is the B story Peter and Gamora or is it Peter and the team? And yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know when they're sitting around talking about the uh, the, the jailbreak plan and group. 
course, off doing his thing. <laughs> so awesome. Um, I love it. I was, I was kind of thinking maybe that's, maybe that's because they're starting to come together there. You know, they're talking about getting, getting out of there and and whatnot. And they're starting to be a team, so to speak. So that was weird. Okay. <laughs> Somebody kicked the mic. That's all. <laughs> uh, Paul. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about fun and games, right? Cause sometimes we skip over that. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna segment some of this. So I agree that B story is both Gamora as well as the group as a whole. However, very quickly, uh, just to kind of state James, my case and uh, James's case, uh, you know, I feel like uh, when 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 uh, that great awkward scene where. <laughs> For whatever reason, dude is just lying in the middle of like 50 other dudes, <laughs> yeah. sleeping, which is hilarious. Um, his face like is great. I'm glad there was no dialogue there because it was priceless. But um, when when he hears uh, Gamora being dragged away, that's the catalyst because then the debate mm. is he gets up and then Rocket is trying, you know, where are you going? What are you doing? Whatever. And then even whenever he's in that little tunnel, Rocket is grabbing his arm and he's swiping him off. And then not only that, but we get into where he's actually, you know, debating back and forth with the different guys, which by the way, earlier in the prison, the guy who had the knife or had his favorite knife stolen makes the uh the line across the throat motion. Yeah. Which I caught like the third time that I watched it, which I thought was great because then later whenever Drax <laughs> asks about that, he's like, "Oh yes, no. oh I mean, no, 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 yeah. no." But anyway, so so that would be you know very quick you know catalyst uh, debate, and then you know we move into you know the the break into two stuff you know comes uh, very quickly after that. So that, that would be, you know, just to kind of put that part of this discussion that I feel like I keep lingering on with James behind us. Uh, that's where I really feel like it begins, okay. but all of that, just to say B story is everything that we've all agreed on. Okay. So, so you were talking about something <laughs> else other than B story. Just make that clear. Okay. Uh, Christian B story thoughts, comments. Uh, it's Gamora and Quill, obviously, but then I also kind of, I mean, rocket and Groot, I've, I don't want to, I like or Groot and the whole team kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I just want Groot to be talked about more in this podcast. <laughs> he does. He does. He needs to be mentioned. I am he Groot. Loves, he loves that. everybody. He does. He's a lovable guy, except for bad guys. And he, uh, ugh, yeah, he, he will put a hedge of protection around you. Oh, oh, oh I see what you did there, and I like really, it. Making up for I that hate, jackass. I hate earlier. puns, but I thought that was great. <laughs> All right, so Fun and Games is next. Uh, it's the promise of the premise. This is the fun part of the story, and a surprisingly short part of the story, in my opinion. I mean, it goes on a bit, but it's not like Transformers. It's not like a lot of these movies where this is the bulk of the stuff that you're going to see um, you know, in there. So I'm going to mention some things, and then each of you guys can, can chime in your own after. Um, Groot gives dude a nose job. I love that. <laughs> Man, it grows way up in there. I feel it. I feel it all the way. Uh, Rocket gets a gun. I'm no, no particular order. I just love that he has a gun, and oh yeah, and he just goes crazy. Uh, Pratt gets a leg. Love that crap to death. Matter of fact, we're not going to be able to finish this podcast unless I get that dude's eye. I need that guy's eye. Uh, so fun and games. Like I said, I wrote it here is a small part of the film, but uh, the prison escape. With all the little robots doing his bidding and weightlessness and all that is part of it. Um, and the trip to nowhere. I also added, um, I struggled with wanting to say the dance and the story with Kevin Bacon was the midpoint. And Paul's probably going to say that's the actual midpoint. But the movie's midpoint 
um, was was a well. We'll get there, but um, I, I'll add uh, lizard gladiators to the to the mix. That was <laughs> yeah. all for the 3D people. I don't have 3D, yeah. so I didn't care. Um, and then fighting with a drunk in fighting with a drunk rocket. So, mm-hmm. Rocket's got his issues. Any other favorite uh, fun and games, John? No, you, you pretty much named them all okay. there, Paul. Uh, yeah, so one quick thing. I, I think that I agree with you that the fun and games part is very short in this movie, and I feel like part of the reason why it is so short is because, again, going back to our previous point, I feel like the real story doesn't begin until a few moments before we're so late into the movie that you just don't have time to draw out the fun and games part. But anyway, uh, as far as the actual fun and games go, uh, all the things that you just said, but I just want to point out a couple quick things that I think this movie, because I, I, I feel like I... I I, I have so many qualms with this movie that I, I really want to point out the fact that they do so many things so well. Um, they do a great job of establishing the goal of every scene. Yeah. Um, I, I won't give a bunch of examples. Well, and every I, I character's wanna... every character's desire and what they're after. Yeah. Because it's, it's, yeah. there's a lot of strings back and forth, you know, and they yeah. are. They're very clear. You know what each person wants, what they're after and who they're after. Yeah, and in in uh, in this show, we don't talk about the differences between scenes and sequen- sequences and all that different kind of stuff. But for those of our listeners that are into that kind of thing, the sequences uh, and the way that the scenes are drawn out in this movie, I think, are done very well. But uh, all that just to say uh, that uh, somebody alluded to the whole escape plan. Um, and which I thought was great for a number of different reasons. One, we have that ticking time bomb, which is basically, you know, you got to grab that battery last because once that happens, <laughs> it's on. And then what's great is that I feel like that was a genius move on the part of the the writers because not only is it comedic um, in a non traditional comedy way but also it establishes that ticking clock almost like it's taking a, a jab at the whole idea of well you got to have a ticking clock to build suspense it's like well, okay well we're just going to bypass that and get right to it so i thought that was great and then also one of the things um that is uh great about this movie is in the middle of these long long action sequence sequences um you you you've got to have time to breathe um, and that's one thing with a lot of action movies that they don't do. It's just so go, go, go that you have no time to really take a breath, even as an audience. Um, and, and it can just kind of start to get old after a while. That's the way that I feel about movies like 300. As much as I enjoy that movie, it just it doesn't let up enough um not enough one, pierced nipples with gold yeah, chains for you <laughs> well anyway um <laughs> but but with this movie like i just want to talk about this one scene where in during the, the 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 uh the prison break james you already mentioned there's that quick moment where rocket gets the gun and he just says oh yeah mm-hmm. right there even though it's only like four seconds everything's in slow-mo we as an audience get to like relax our shoulders take a breath and it's like Oh yeah. And it's funny. And that's another thing that a lot of times in the middle of big action sequences that you do to give that break is you have some element that makes the audience laugh to give them, like I said, I keep using this word, but you give them a break from all the action. And then the other one is in the midst of all this fighting, Peter Quill is asking this guy for his leg and they just do it really quickly. They don't beat it to death. They take something that is really funny and it's even funnier later on when you find out that it's not necessary, but they did a great job of giving it one moment and one moment only right there with him standing in the guy's uh, 
sell. And I think it's only the other guy that actually says something. Peter Quill doesn't actually say anything, yeah. which is brilliant as far as the writing goes. Like I, I just cannot stress enough how great that specific scene is in all of these elements. So kudos to whomever of the writers actually did that part of the, the, the script. Good deal. Christian. Uh, exactly the same thing as what you guys were saying. I th- Can you uh, repeat it word for word, please? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've been typing it. Um, that's all the noise you hear in the background. Oh. Um, I think an- another thing that you guys didn't mention, just kind of like a little bit of like Marvel fan service is when you meet Thanos, like just because yeah. they've been teasing him for so many movies. And then is it you Thanos or Thanos? I think I've always heard it and pronounce it Thanos. Okay. But- I'm, I pronounce it my way. What other movies is he referenced in? He's not. Uh, he's not. He's in. Yeah. He, well, he's like after the credits in like two or three of them. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he's, he's the guy that wants in all the Infinity Stones. And right. well, he, no, I got that in this movie. But I thought Christian was saying that he's in like all these other movies too. But I'd never heard of him. But no, but well, he's, he's he's technically in them. Like, he's he, at the he's, end of the Avengers, I think, in the after oh, he's, credits. He's during it. He, um, Loki's talking to him the whole time. I thought he was talking to his little guy, his little lackey. Yeah. With his He's head talking spun to his lackey that got his head spun, yeah. Yeah. That's right, sorry. But, and that you know, lackey, Thanos, by so. the way, was the guy that provided the warriors for, uh, for um, you know, uh, uh, Iron Man 2. So uh, when, Lo- <laughs> when Loki came through. So it was, it was awesome when he got his head snapped. That was pretty mm-hmm. crazy. That was the second unexpected thing. And the first one was about the battery. And then when he just kills him. Like, Holy smack. <laughs> um, I want to jump to midpoint though. Uh, midpoint for me was meeting with the collector. Um, the the actual one I believe in story wise was the moment with G- Gamora because you had a false victory right there where they were close, they were together, and all of a sudden I'm not gonna be you know ah, you know that kind of thing. <sighs> but then, um, but the meeting with collector is also a false victory because they get where they were supposed to go. He, he reaches in the drawer to get the credits and uh pink chick uh, grabs, grabs the stone. Uh, Ruins it. John. Yep. Oh, actually I have uh just before they meet co- the collector, the moment on the balcony with yeah. Gamora. That's my midpoint. Yeah. I think it's close enough. We can count, count it as well. Okay. Paul, I'll allow it. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm with you, James. I think that the the falls the the midpoint is um, hanging out with uh, Benicio del Toro, and uh, <laughs> because the stakes are raised. Or number one, it is like you know halfway during the movie uh, as far as the minutes go. Number two, um, it is a false victory because hey, we've gotten to the guy who's going to buy this, and so as far as as far as the characters know uh this is the end of the story because we're going to sell this we're going to get our 400 billion units or whatever um and so, uh but then also we realize for the first time exactly what is in the orb um stakes so are you raised. have stakes yeah. are raised yeah so we have all of the makings of of a midpoint um with with uh, with uh, meeting the collector thank you uh christian yeah, it's the. I didn't think this scene was or this scene. I didn't think this part was done very well. I agree with what Paul was saying earlier. This is such a good movie, but I think the beats are just like horribly missed. And I love the movie, but as far as beats go, I give it like a D minus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the whole it's the whole severed head giant robot collector guy who I didn't know get why he had to be in the movie, but the collector man, he's the collector. You don't know about the collector. They should have just had Howard the Duck. <laughs> he was there. Yeah, yeah. after okay, the eventually credits. he was somewhere. Is somewhere. 
Uh, all right, bad guys close in. One of the mo- it got easier after this. I'll tell you, it became mm-hmm. one of the most obvious bad guys close in scenes ever in history. Because <laughs> why? Whatever <laughs> do you mean, James? <laughs> well, I'll even back up from when Ronan freaking shows up just because Drax called him uh, and say that I would start that uh, when the when the stone cl- uh, closes in. The stone oh. destroys, you know, this entire place, you know, and starts this whole mess. And uh, so I got that the Ronan shows up, the stone closes in, Gamora closes in. She, that's when she does her thing about you're despicable, dishonorable, faithless. The pirates close in, um, you know, coming to the pl- coming to the giant severed head. So, uh, John, any thoughts on bad guys close in? Trying to escape from nowhere. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, Paul? Yeah, the only thing that I would disagree with is I don't think the explosion of the stone is part of Bad Guys Close In. I think that that helps drive home the point of like how powerful this thing is That because later on we find out or because you can't touch it if you're mere mortal, uh, if you, unless you're a powerful being, um, you know, that's where the stakes are raised because later on it's like he takes the gamble and grabs onto it. So that's just kind of splitting hairs at that point. So, uh, so you're saying that, that her grabbing on is just another, is, is the stakes are raised <clears throat> one more, one more. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just, yeah, that, that's all. That I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to say was in, in, uh, with, uh, and I guess this is backing up slightly, but with, with nowhere, whenever they make the comment of this is the head of a celestial being, mm. is that something, is that supposed to be like, okay, we're in the future, we've killed God, or is that, uh, is that like something Marvel that I just don't know because uh, I haven't seen enough of these movies? All right, there's the Earth part, you know, of, of uh, Marvel, and then there's the cosmic Marvel, uh, ah. and that's out there where you know silver surfer and all these guys live galactus yeah so it's it it is a giant celestial being no it is is not god um but just in case you might pray and ask tonight well and if it was god then that's the all is lost and dark night of the soul (laughs) all wrapped into one (laughs) we're doomed um and what would Groot do we'll have to start using that uh christian Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more to say. I'm like, I'm really enjoying going last. I'm already watching next <laughs> week's movie, and uh, <laughs> all right, good. all is lost. Let's let's just hit it. Let hit it like a dartboard. Gamora's quote unquote death in space. John. Yep. Bingo. Paul. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> what do you want to go with? No, I'm Ronan going with having that. the stone. <laughs> no, 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 I'm going with that. It's no, okay. that's that's the all is lost moment. Yeah. Uh, Christian. And guess what I think? What? No, yeah, you're Same totally thing. right. All right. The theme. It's the moment Same when disease. Peter Quill takes his mask off. That's oh, the all is the lost. exact moment. I think it's when we start to see her freeze. He's sitting there staring at her. You want to talk about a, uh, a break in a, t- a debate moment? He has another one. He, am I going to be a guardian? And Rocket's right there, just like at the prison. And he's turned his little ship around. And, uh, and homeboy goes and saves her. And and it has a great <laughs> has a great uh, line there where he's like I, I reached deep inside and I found something just so, so heroic <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't what? stop he had to be important see yeah yep. see um, and, and one thing I do want to clarify real quick as far as the all is lost is yes it is her body floating out there in space but as far that's that's her dark night of the soul I mean and I guess it yes it is partially his but the fact that he acts upon that 
I think we need to clarify that that's why it's the dark or uh, the I'm sorry, all is lost moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, what he also has to do is he also has to call Yondo, give him the coordinates. So he's not only well, and they've her, lost the orb. Too. Yeah, 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 and and he's but he's he's giving himself back into the hands oh. of somebody who wants to kill him. So you know, I don't know what the screen play looks like, but I would have a feeling that all of that is going to be on the same page because there's not a lot of dialogue right there. It's a lot more show right. than tell. I would say um, that fits in Dark Knight of the Soul. The character hitting the bottom, wallowing in hopelessness, getting dragged in by a tractor beam. You know. Um, we see the same thing because Drax is supposedly killed. He's thrown in some yellow ear juice or whatever. Well, and, and I think that that's, that's your whiff of death right there. So I would say that's still part of all but is see, lost. I, is when I, Drax but falls I would say all is lost. Whiff of death is Gamora's death because it's not death. It's a possibility. It is the whiff. And I would say that Drax and we're splitting hairs, but I would say Drax and, and, and him pull, be, you know, being pulled out and then, and, and being saved by Groot and the whole argument. And you're making me kick grass, which is the greatest line in the movie. Um, that's all part of dark night of the soul and a very strange dark night of the soul. It is because, uh, Groot and rocket, um, are doing their own little break into three. Do you not agree? Well, here's one thing that I want to clarify because I went in and while we've been talking, I just happened to have the book in or the save the cat book in front of me. And, you know, this isn't always the rule, but what he has for Dark Knight of the Soul is it's 10 pages. So, yeah, yeah, I think all of that falls in there. That's why I said what is all is lost. Let's hit it like a dart. And then afterwards is Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah, yeah. So with all is lost, I think it's that combination of because we see this like in 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 chopped up pieces where, you know, you've got. Uh, Gamora's body, and then you've got uh, uh, Drax being thrown into the yellow sludge or whatever, so that he's we. It's a false death or whatever before we know that he's going to be revived. Same thing with Gamora, and then also for Peter himself, it's that giving up of himself that he's you know because Homeboy is going to kill him yeah. if he finds him. So all three, we we get three whips of death right there, all within like thirty seconds. So that's all. Uh, all is lost. And then have we already moved into dark night of the soul? Uh, that's where we've been. We've been there for a while. Uh, we're talking about Drax being resurrected. We talked about kicking grass. That's all part of uh, dark night of the soul. Okay. Drax admits his flaw. We don't even have to ask his anger covering uh, for loss, which again, maybe this is just me. Uh, and well, I thought that part was really cheesy and, and very, I thought just- it was misplaced. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. Like, maybe that's I wanted to know that about him. I wanted to know that about that character. I don't know that that would have been the first thing on my mind if Groot had stuck a finger straw into my freaking aorta, <laughs> um, or whatever it was. Uh, left ventricle, I believe. Yeah. Well, something juicy came out. That's all I know. So, oh, another thing that grosses me out is every time I see Groot pull that blackhead out of his face when they're do- during their little music montage near the finale. It's gross. They make a sound effect. Sounds like somebody pulling out a blackhead. That's all I'm saying. Ugh. So, uh, Groot rot, mm. they decide to help and they're kicking grass and stuff. Uh, uh, the last thing that I have for dark night of the soul before we move on is, uh, when, when they, uh, Peter is being held by Yondo um, and he has the, the little arrow thing like in his face and all that. And like, he's yeah. again threatening. Yeah. Whoever whistled. Good job. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, that's, that's another part of that is, um, he, 
he uh, he's he might be dying. And then I, I really do feel like it actually carries over like we haven't we haven't we don't break into three until after the whole group gets together um, because they're 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 discussing what they're going to do. And there's that whole great thing about okay. like 12 percent. Right. That's still part of Dark Knight right. of the Soul. Oh, OK. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Paul, Paul always intros the next segment for us. Um, <laughs> so uh, what was I going to say? I wanted to say something about Dark Knight, but it's OK. We'll we'll say break, break into three. Uh, fresh ideas, new inspiration, last minute thematic device. Oh, I wanted to say how stupid I am. Um, I'm so stupid uh, that do you remember the first time we see the arrow? Uh, the the bearded man tells Merle, uh, you know, what about him? You know, and he, and he turns around, and he opens up the thing and shows the arrow and he says, don't you worry about Mr. Quill. Well, I went through the whole first time I saw this movie thinking that's what he called the little arrow dude. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was a quill, right? You know? Yep. And then you know, the quill would come out. So anyway, uh, break into three. Uh, I have as when they're they're all standing up. That's it. Boom. Right there where they come together. Uh, I've lived most of my life surrounded by my enemies. Gamora says, great line. I would be grateful to die with my friends. Uh, Drax, you're an honorable man, you know, and he has a great line. I'll die with you. And then Groot, who who just uh, in in a way no one else can just I can't even say it. I mean, just I am Groot, and um, <laughs> just the way that the nuance and the mm, it's great. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Rocket, I I'm Rocket in this in this circle. I hate doing what everybody else is doing just because, <laughs> and when it's expected for me to do it too, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to stand. And if I did, I would say, okay, I'm going to do it because you guys are a bunch of morons and you want me to stand. <laughs> We're all standing. So, uh, break into three, John. Yes. Yes. I agree. Okay. Paul. Uh, yeah. So I still feel, uh, I feel like what you said, I don't, there's a hard distinction here that I think is important, but I still feel like the dark night of the soul is still when, uh, Peter gives the little speech that we're all losers. We've lost something, which was, again, hilarious that he has to make that distinction. But I feel like that's not break into three. That's still part of Dark Knight of the Soul, the whole discussion. It's um, it's leading up to the break. Yeah, so, yeah. so break into – so maybe I just missed, completely misunderstood you, but I feel like break into three isn't until we have that montage of them on the ship – uh, once again, laying out the entire plan, telling us what the entire next sequence is going to be. See, I'd say that's from, finale. Break, uh, see, br- break into three is the scene where they're in the circle coming together, stating these comments to each other for me. Okay. Well, okay. Then we disagree there because I think it's the very next thing where they're still on the ship. They are relaying the plan uh, because they haven't come up with the plan yet when they're still standing in the circle. It's just, Hey, we're going to do something we don't know yet. And then we don't hear the plan. We don't hear the next movement. Well, the plan the is scene. part of the finale though. Break into three. Thanks to a fresh idea, new inspiration or last minute thematic advice from the, usually from the love interest. Gamora is the first one after he runs out of words uh, to stand up and say that one, that line. And I think, Keeping with the idea that the, the whole thing is about them coming together and becoming a team, that is when they break in. And then the uh, gathering, I mean, we're going to go through the finale step by step, but gathering the team is is all about, you know, 
making making your plans and 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 you know music montage and so so this down. is so this is not me trying to be a jerk and trying to be right. This is me just trying to relay some information. Uh, this was something else that I noticed in rereading the the book is again, if uh, not saying that this is canon or anything, but if this is the way that it's supposed to be, uh, Dark Knight of the Soul is seventy five to eighty five. Right. Breaking to three is eighty five. Right. Finale is eighty five to one ten. Right. So in a there, so you could be absolutely right, or we that that page eighty five has both you know the that last scene of what i feel like is dark night of the soul and then we go into breaking the three so all of those things th- those three points literally do bleed together and i think that's one thing that um you know I- i'm guilty of a lot of times is i want to separate a lot of this stuff but i there's no reason to separate those because they do bleed together right, but for purposes so, of our program which is what we do is separate things by a guide that is in a in a book um, by well, page yeah, and numbers, the, there, and that's what I'm saying. There are like sequences the, of time, which are which is when the page numbers span, and then there are moments, hard moments. It's one page of writing, and for me, I mean, we can disagree, but I I feel very strongly that it's it's them coming together as a team. I don't think we could have done anything until that happened. Okay. That's, well, I mean, that's yeah. the result the old, the old, of Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah, and the only thing that I would say on that is that we're that would mean that in the middle of one scene we've changed from Dark Knight of the Soul to Break into Three, but it's not worth holding up the show over. So, <laughs> well, I mean, would it mean going back, or are you talking about going forward with that? No, I mean, I, I'm well. I'm saying, wait, what? <laughs> I tell you what, let's jump into the finale this time there around. Uh, the the main character incorporates the theme. Well. I think we get there about halfway in to the finale, but but the theme seems to be connection and 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 trusting each other, and he even has to trust the pirates. He has to trust the Nova Corps. He he does all these things. Uh, but the first part, according to Save the Cat, strikes back. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five parts of a good finale, and um, gathering the team is the first one. And that's what I would say is Star-Lord and Gamora laying out the plan. We get the music montage. We call out to Nova Corps. Rocket pulls on his crotch. You know, we're slow timing, <laughs> walking down the the aisle. I'm just going to blow through these, and then we can give uh, – you guys can give your comments. Uh, the second part of a finale is executing the plan, actually storming the castle. Uh, and the plan seems foolproof. And this one, again, very clear plan. Very, very, very clear plan. Yep. Lots of flying. They made a hole in the ship. I won't go through all the details. The ship enters. Hadron Collider is unleashed. All right. High Tower Surprise is the third part. It's where the hero finds out that he was overconfident. The bad guys might have known all along. The plan is dashed. And I would say that's when they find Ronan simply cannot be destroyed. Yeah. And the ship crashes into Xandar. And the dumbest command ever given in humanity is get together and form a blockade so that thousands of well-trained Nova Corps guys can die for no apparent reason. But anyway, <laughs> and then there's uh, the fourth part, dig deep down. This is the point of uh, the point of the finale is revealed. And this is where I would say uh, the teamwork thing comes in. This is where uh, he, he's grabbed the stone, but that's inconsequential. He would have done that anyway. Uh, Gamora grabs his hand, allowing for the connection that he has always needed to take advantage of. 
And so there is a loose connection with mom. Obviously, they're trying to make it a lot stronger than it is. But that's the dig deep down when when he grabs that stone and and all of those guys kind of latch on. I don't know why Drax the Destroyer was two seconds, two 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 uh, inches away from that shoulder, but acting like he couldn't just put his hand down. Anyway, that's weird. I've seen it a lot. Um, and then number five, the execution of the new plan. The hero's last-ditch plan works, and I would say that's when the group grabs on forming that team and Ronan is destroyed. Uh, any thoughts on finale? John? No. Uh, oh, sorry. John? Ahead, John? No. Okay, no, Paul? No thoughts. I like it. Uh, at this point, uh, since you're, if you were still a practicing minister, I'd say pass the plate because I agreed with everything you said. Uh, which <laughs> well, it was, I thought it was, was easy. Great. It was all it, there. It, it, it was, and again, I think that's because you know people want to slam formula and say that it 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 has all these negative connotations, but. I think it's great, and especially in this, like like I've said earlier, they they give you a clear cut goal, and they follow through with it, and they have the hiccups where the hiccups need to be. Um, so I thought that this end uh, this ending was great. Um, so as far as that progression goes, um, some of the stuff that I was kind of curious about, um, you know, with and maybe hopefully you guys can clarify this, and it's not a plot hole to me, but when we are with the collector there's that whole thing about how a group of people got together and tried to share the force and they couldn't do it and they all died. But when they do it at the end, nobody dies. And I understand, you know, we find out, you know, Peter is, you know, half alien or whatever. And so he's strong enough, but why did the other people not die? And so the reason why I give all of, there's a number of things in this movie that I give a pass on, because I feel like in later movies, we're going to have those things answered. And I feel like that is one of those things that for me absolutely has to be answered. Is he so strong that everyone else didn't die because of him or they're the guardians of the galaxy beep. But yeah, I would, I would say that. And I think that falls in the, in the, I mean, I'm not trying to diss anybody that's in the fanboy world. Where where they sit around? Who's who's stronger, Batman or Superman? You know that kind of stuff. Um, but I would I would say you know I'm guessing. Obviously, I think he uh, he was strong enough, but he wasn't going to be strong enough if he didn't have those guys. Sure, his face yeah. was tearing apart. And um, a lo- the only cop out you want know, to talk about plot hole is after they're done, all their faces are connected back. You know, it's, yeah. oh, <laughs> I just got some little little shoe polish on my chin here where my chin was not. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, good. They regenerated. Well, it was a good. Uh, it was a good finale, and I think that's why we saw so so many um, shortenings of some of the other areas, especially I want to say fun and games, is because there was so much to this finale. It was just a yeah. Big it was almost epic. a half hour. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot. It's a lot of stuff. They were saving time. Um, so final image. I like the final image. I want to start by saying. I believe there are lots of final images. I think there's a final image for every freaking character, except for the fat lady who was crying over her kids um, <laughs> in the movie. Because we got Shake and Bake. You know, his wife and kids are pink, and, and they we saw them before. Oh, that's awesome. Drax gets his moment where he's walking away, and, and Gamora's telling your wife and kids will rest well. And I, at this point, I realized he didn't have nips, and I also realized he should be wearing a shirt inside an office building. Um, Merle gets a closing image where he opens up the thing and there's a little treasure troll and he smiles, you know, I'm going to kill that SOB. Um, 
And then baby Groot comes back to life. He gets his own little thing. And, um, and, and Pratt, uh, gets his little moment. Uh, who's going to look after these guys? I am. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Me. I'm going to do it. You know? Um, so he becomes important, but for the right reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but the actual one, uh, you know, one ten would be Pratt reads the letter, opens the gift. He's listening to music on the stereo, but not in headphones. And he's amongst friends. Um, and he's listening to ain't no mountain high enough. So, uh, John, thoughts on final image? A little bit of both. <laughs> there That's you my go. final yeah. image. <laughs> like a that. little bit of both. Yeah. What if I want to rip out his spine? <laughs> well, that would be like the worst thing imaginable. So, yeah, pretty much illegal. Uh, Paul? No, I, I agree with you completely uh, on the final image as far as being in the, the ship. And one thing that I didn't, uh, as, as soon as you said it, I went, oh, how come I didn't think of that? It, w- it wasn't simply the fact that he was listening to volume two. It was the fact that he, was, he wasn't listening to it in seclusion by himself as a loner, like John said. But he's uh, in his headphones. He's listening to it, you know, pumped throughout the Milano or whatever his uh, ship is called. So, yeah, I, I, I totally missed that. And so I think that's huge and that's majorly significant. So. So I'm well, that's that what made notes. me go back and rewrite the whole front end because I had <laughs> opening image. Like I said, I always want to include so much, yeah. and but it wasn't. It was that shot of him sitting there with the headphones. So. Yeah, which I mean, and with this, I just have to ask: Did anybody else sit there and scratch their head and ask the questions? Okay, why did he not open the second? volume why is he i mean i understand he's crying because maybe his mom gave him this and the first song is ain't no mountain high enough and you know to separate him from her love and all that but i just felt like that was it was a great mirror image but it definitely didn't wasn't emotional it was just very like shallow i think i think it was probably my guess would be the, the connection issue uh guilt he didn't deserve it didn't wasn't there for his mom, but it, he couldn't connect. He couldn't uh, rely on her. Couldn't trust. You know, I don't know. They didn't do a good job explaining it. But that. Well, would, but that's a that is a good point because if the whole idea is there's no mountain high enough to keep me from you, and this whole thing is about him instead of being kept away from love, it's him being able to cross mountains metaphorically and grab onto people. I guess I guess that makes more sense. I mean, I, I still say they didn't do a good job of no really being straightforward and establishing that. But now that you say that, yeah, I should have, I should have caught that. So, yeah, well, at least there was no, you know, gross dripping aliens with mops, you know, um, going in <laughs> and out Tromaville style. So, uh, when I was in high school, I was a fan <laughs> just to give you a clue of how crappy that stuff is. Uh, all right. Well, um, in any closing remarks, John, I thought it was a great overall movie. Um, enjoyed it every single time I've seen it, and I own it now, sort of. Polly, uh, let's record some post stuff for the we, Patreon backers, and uh, we, we will lay some stuff there. We so. are. We're going to do just that. All right. Well, then we're, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. We're going to discuss six things that need fixing in this movie. I wrote them up. So okay. Well, then I'm going to add seven and eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christian, any closing remarks? I thought when the ships came together to form the barrier that it was really cool. (laughs) And it it made me want to play Star Fox. Oh, man, don't it. Do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. 
Oh. That was that was cool as heck, and you're all lame if you don't think so. No, well, my thing is, why does it take a human to do that? You have force field technology, have, have robot things go up there. Don't put people's lives at risk, you know. Well, and in one one quick thing that, that I was forgot to mention, how they did that when yeah. a giant spaceship was going to crash into the <laughs> well, seat. and where else was that going to come in handy? There's a there's too many seagulls. Form a barrier, push them away. <laughs> oh, yes, I don't well, know. yeah. I mean, this is probably not why they did that. But one thing I forgot to mention during the finale is there's I can't I don't even know what the character's name is, but there's that guy that's part of Nova Corps who says something like um, Shaun of the Dead. Okay, well, he says, for the record, I was against this or I was against trusting you or whatever, but he does it anyway. And so that kind of lends itself to the theme of overcoming you know, well, yeah, uh, he's one of the ones that called him an a hole. Yeah, what a bunch of a holes, and so he has to, to. Yeah, so I felt like that played into the theme. So who knows? Maybe they sent all those people, and then the black guy from uh, White Collar, uh, who gets like three lines in this movie. Uh, maybe they sent them all up there just for that one line to reestablish <laughs> the theme. But well, I know not. him and Rocket connect, and I don't quite know why. I mean, Rocket cares when he bites it. It's like, oh no, Patrick. I think his name's Patrick. I don't know. <laughs> He's yeah. also from Parks and Rec. All right, awesome. guys. Uh, we have got to find out uh, what movie is getting the beat down next time. Oh, so thank God. I am going to submit um, Lego movie. John. I'm, I'm submitting the Truman Show. Truman Show. Pauly. Uh, can't hardly wait. Oh, boy. Christian. Uh, Stardust, no Indiana Jones, no Stardust. Stardust, really? Yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> And then mm-hmm. from from Reddit, I pulled the village. It was the one of the most update up uh, voted ones. Really? Um, so yeah, yeah, I know. All right, let's do it. <laughs> uh, we're going to choose a film right now at random. Random.org says Is that Wally swearing. Polly's choice can't hardly wait in two weeks. Oh yes, that's what we're hardly yeah. wait. I'm uh, so excited. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it. So you could almost say. I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. Please, though. <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> Roll the credits, James, quickly. Uh, all right. Vote up the next movie selection, people, at subreddit, at our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash movie beatdown, and we'll put it on the list there. Did you enjoy the show? Consider supporting Movie Beatdown for a dollar per episode. Visit uh, moviebeatdown.com slash donate for more information. Go to our website, comment on this episode and find out more about save the cat at moviebeatdown.com email your comments suggestions and such to moviebeatdown at gmail.com our twitter is guess what at moviebeatdown guys uh that's all for me Polly and christian thanks so much and we'll see all of you right here next time on movie beatdown good show back Visit NLCast.com for other great NLCast network shows.